guys, Princess here, and welcome to another episode of By Pumpkin. This is an exciting day. We are starting season five, and that means we're starting a new series. Uh, but before we get into that, let's talk about our some show business. First of all, remember that there's a Patreon attached to this podcast. Um, it's at patreon.com backslash by pumpkin. There are two tiers, $1 a month, $5 a month, depending on how many bonus episodes you want right over there. I am currently doing a weekly bonus episode on Hogan knows best, which I am liking more than I thought I was going to be. I laughed a lot during that first episode. So if you want to listen to those bonus episodes or my monthly bonus episodes, head on over there. Um, one exciting thing that we do with that Patreon, I say we, I keep saying we, like like there's a mouse in my pocket or something, but it's really just me. Nobody works here. It's just me. <laughs> one exciting thing that I do with that Patreon is that I take some money from it every month and I give it away to somebody actually doing something about this crazy, crazy fucking world we live in. This month, I donated to um, Charity Water, which is, well, the mission is basically to bring clean water to the people who need it on this earth. I think the the stat is something like 78 million people on this earth do not have access to clean water, and dirty diseases from dirty water kill more people every year than violence, including war. And, you know, it's important. So it's a really cool thing that we got to do. We got to help some people get some clean water. That's at me and everyone who donates to that Patreon. Some of your money went there. So very excited about that. Wanted to make sure everybody knew about that. I also want to remind you guys to leave me a review. I need reviews. Reviews help people find this podcast and it helps it grow with the right people. I do not want 12,000 downloads um, an episode if it's not the people who I think will appreciate it. But if you leave a review and explain to people why you listen to this every Sunday, that's how we get them. Um, you can leave it in Apple Podcasts, on Google Play. I think they're changing their stuff. You can leave it on Spotify. You can leave it on Amazon because Amazon now has podcasts or whatever. Leave me a review, dude. Take a few minutes, do it. You can also follow me at okay then Princess on Instagram and Twitter. You can also follow me at Buy Pumpkin Podcast on Instagram. And I think that's it. Yeah. If you're trying to get it, if you want to talk to me or you want to show me something or you want to ask me a question about the show, the fastest way to do that is to tweet me at okay then Princess or to comment on the Buy Pumpkin Podcast Instagram because I see that before I see anything else. That's it. Um, anything else? Anything else? Anything else? No, I've like my mind's like kind of all fucked up because I've been like in so many places because I got a I took a job and I actually do like the job, but I'm super, super busy right now. I'm just juggling a lot. So I just feel like I'm in like a million places at once always. And I'm I'm always like, shit, am I forgetting something? Am I forgetting something? And so I feel like I'm forgetting something right now, but you know what? Hopefully, if I am, I will remember it by the end of this podcast, and I will stick it in somewhere. So that all that done, let's talk about season five of By Pumpkin. We're going to be talking about the real L word. Now, why is the real L word such an iconic show? I'll tell you why. One, <laughs> it was shot during Showtime's softcore porn reality TV show. <laughs> uh, um, season. 
You know, they just had a, they just had a, not in a traditional way shows have seasons, but they just had a season over there at Showtime where they'd just be like, you know, let's just have shows with a lot of sex in it with real people. And I know that's like porn, but it's fine. <laughs> but no, seriously, um, the real L word was, well, it starts with the L word, right? The L word was a Showtime TV show about lesbians living in LA. And it is, it was, I believe the first and only show of its kind where it really focused around lesbians, lesbian culture, and there just really weren't men on the show like that. Every now and then, because, um, gosh, what's the blonde chicks? I forget her name. When they broke, when she broke up with Bet, she went and got with a dude. But I mean, they had men on the show, okay? But it really wasn't centered around them at all. And it was an incredibly popular show because that's what happens when you get the first and only of uh, a show that serves um, a very large community. And the producers of that show decided to do a reality TV version of it, which wasn't crazy unusual. Because if you think, because if you think about it, Laguna Beach, was real the Laguna Beach whole name that show's whole name was the Real OC because it was piggybacking off the popularity of the OC, I believe a CW or might've been a Fox, um, teen romantic drama soap opera. <laughs> and same thing with the Real Housewives of OC. The reason it's called The Real Housewives is that it's piggybacking off of the popularity of shows like The OC and Desperate Housewives and to show you a reality TV version of it. Um, so it's it's not that that's not been done before, but what was interesting about it is that they found this, these lesbians living in LA who wanted to talk about their story, who also wanted to, most of them had sex on camera. Oh, excuse me, let me take that back. Cause not most of them, I'm most episodes had sex on camera, but there's really a few of them that did. In the second season, there's a scene where a woman is just, um, fuck, what's her name? It's not Francine. It's one of, it's, it's somebody that's mad at Whitney. Okay. And she is just like masturbating on camera. And there's a voiceover about how she really loves to watch like, um, blowjob scenes, even though she's like a gold star lesbian has never been with a man. And, um, like she just really enjoys watching people get blowjobs though. So, but I mean, they just, <laughs> I really, like, I was thinking about it when I was watching this about how I won't even do, like, if I were to, first of all, I wouldn't be on a reality TV show because I'm so fucking boring. But if, let's say somehow I got interesting and somebody wanted to fucking film me, I wouldn't even want to do the fake wake up scenes they always do where they walk in and they're like, and, they're, and there's a, a cameraman and then one of them wakes up and goes, How'd you sleep? And they're like talking to bed. Bitch, one of y'all let him in. Okay? One of you let him in and had a fucking conversation with production before you guys get started. This is fake. I wouldn't even want to do that. I would be like, yo, you're gonna have to record, you're gonna have to start my morning scenes with me, like at the table eating breakfast, because I'm just uncomfortable pretending to be asleep and waking up. I the idea of me being asleep and someone filming me is one of my top three nightmares, okay? 
do not take pictures of me or sleep or film me or anything while I'm fucking sleeping. That is not cute. Don't even look at me while I'm sleeping. I actually like really gave it to one of my kids one day because I woke up and he was just staring at me and I was like, that is fucking weird. Like, don't just stare at someone while they're sleeping. <laughs> so even lying in a bed with my eyes closed, pretending to be sleeping while you film me is not, we're not gonna be doing any of that. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'm also, no, we're not gonna do that. And this isn't how I wake up. I wake up with sleep in my eyes, you know, that crusty shit in your eyes, and like sometimes on my mouth, and I look dazed. I walk crazy. I do not wake up pretty. I didn't, mm mm, mm mm. I did not wake up like this. Some might say I never get pretty, and I'm not gonna argue with them, but I certainly don't wake up pretty, okay? So, yeah, like I can't imagine just being like, hey, we're just gonna make out over here and you just, we'll see where it goes. Like, I can't. <laughs> but um, the show was special because of that. It's also special because it showed real women in who went for women. Um, it even, in the second season, it dealt with the, with how bisexuals are not as accepted. Like, obviously, we're part of the, alphabet gang, okay? But there is a real fear in a lesbian community about bisexual women um, who will come in and and date you and make you fall in love and then go back to a man and get married to a man and, and just be like, that was a part of my life, you know? And that's, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, is here I am. <laughs> it's really, I don't like to talk about being bisexual or I've mentioned it on the podcast numerous times because I've had, for some reason, I, I needed to talk about it for some reason, but like in everyday life, I do not talk about it. I don't mention it very much because it is, first of all, I don't want to, first, well, the first thing is I don't want to explain to you that I'm not, that I did not stop being bisexual because I ended up getting married to a man. I don't want people to think that because that's what people think. They think that you like went through a phase and then you figured it out and that's how. And also I know that because my relationship looks heteronormative, like no one questions my sexuality. No one, I, I don't have to do, like if I had happened to fall in love with a woman and get married to her, my life might be a lot different. I, you know, it's like being a light skinned black person that can pass for white, you know? there are certain privileges I have because you can't tell that I'm not, you're a straight girl here. You can't tell. And so a lot of things get, I don't have to deal with. And so sometimes it feels gross inserting myself in this stuff and being like, well, I'm bisexual because like, all, but also I don't have to deal with any of the um, discriminations and hardships and, and bullshit that I might have endured if I had simply fallen in love with a woman and started a monogamous relationship with her instead. Um, but season two dealt with a lot of like how much the lesbian community distrusts bisexuals and um, this, this distrust bisexual women, much like how the heterosexual community distrusts bisexual men. Like both of them feel like bisexuality is just a stop on the road to men. Now, 
the reason that's a stereotype is because there is some some small grain of truth in it. And the problem with stereotypes is not that they're never true. It's that you assume they're true about everyone. And you don't give people a chance to live their own truth. Instead, you put the stereotype on them and say, this has to be true because, because it was true a few times. It was true enough that it must be true all the time. That's the problem there. Um, but yeah, the real L word is like an incredibly... It's an incredibly entertaining show. I enjoyed it so much, I bought it. And I didn't even fucking remember that. I used to watch it all the fucking time. I love this fucking show. I've been re-watching How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> I didn't watch How I Met Your Mother on when it was on the air. I think I caught the last season or something. But other than that, I didn't watch it. I watched, I, when it came on Netflix, I watched a little bit of it one day. And they had a slapping episode and my husband really liked it. And so we started watching the whole thing. But the funny thing about Hulu is that if you fall asleep watching something, you get to the last episode, they put something else on and then go, and then put it in your recently watched uh, queue as if you chose to watch it. No, you turned that on Hulu, but... I mean, haha, ha, I worked this time because they put on How I Met Your Mother and now I've been watching the whole thing. Anyway, there's <laughs> there's an episode where Ted is, you know, he's dating a girl and he's and he's trying to gauge how she feels about um, Star Wars. Star Wars, because it's super, 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 super fucking important to him. He would hate me. I've never fucking seen it. And um, Marshall's talking about it, his best friend is talking about it and saying that like, Ted watches Star Wars when he is sad. He watches Star Wars when he is sick at home. He watches Star Wars on rainy Sundays. He watches it on Christmas Eve. And that is how I used to watch the L word, the real L word. I used to watch the real L word just if I was sick and I was in bed and I wanted to watch something on TV and, you know, on Christmas Eve, like I would just like turn on the real L word. But here's the thing. I had kids and I can't watch the real L word like in the living room when I'm not feeling well, because at some point we're going to be watching Whitney use the strap <laughs> on many of her women. Like it's, so we can't, I can't do that. And so I haven't watched it as much in later years. In fact, I haven't watched it in a while. So I'm actually really, really excited that I decided to do buy pumpkin um, on it, well, season five, because, you know, it feels like going home a little bit. I also, I'm, like I, I've said before, when I was, um, when I announced that we would be doing this, I'm also really excited to be doing an ep, uh, a series that does not have gross men in it. Um, I started this with, by, with, uh, Flavor of Love, and I had, what, 10 episodes of Flavor Flav, and then, then we moved on to Breaking Bonaducci, and so I had to do the Danny Bonaducci bullshit. And then it was Growing Up Gotti, and the boys were young, but already toxic. And, and then we moved on to The Girls Next Door, and I mean, Hef's the king of them all. So I'm really excited to be doing a series that, that doesn't really have men in it. I think, one of like one of Whitney's roommates like partner is a man I think I could be wrong though I I don't remember and there was a very like shaggy haircut that could be anything so um yeah no men no men here 
And so I'm really excited to talk about women behaving badly and women that make me want to throw up. (laughs) So like, I think I've done enough lead up on this. We're the, the, the episode we're doing is season one, episode one. It's called Power of the Clam. And it premiered June 20th of 2010. Just so we have some context on these hairstyles and shit. <laughs> the show starts with a series of, it does this every episode, but it starts with a series of talking head interviews where they're interviewing each of the subjects of the show. It's interesting that we get talking heads from Rose, from Whitney, from Mikey, from Tracy. But so those are people, those are supposedly the people we're following, but Jill and Nikki get talking heads. So I wonder how that's interesting. And it must say something about how they came to the show. And I mean, we're going to talk about Jill and Nikki right off the bat. But first, I want to just emphasize that everyone is wearing the weirdest fucking clothes in these talking heads. Tracy is wearing what looks like a man's uh, button-up shirt, a tie, a fedora of some sort, um, a vest. It's either a blazer or a vest. I can't remember. And then a very short mini skirt and heels. It... And it looks like someone was like, who styled her. It it looks like someone styled her for this. It looks like there was like a shoot day. (laughs) And they were like, let's give you, let's give you gender bending sexiness. And then they just gave her the top of a man with a fedora. And then we're like, and here's a very, a small child skirt here, put that on. And it, it looks weird together. It doesn't look like she's wearing clothes that belong together. Um, but the question they're asking them is when did kind of, when did they first have sex with a woman? Um, although they might've phrased it as losing your virginity, but lots of those women have had sex with men. Um, so, uh, I don't know if like, that's not the way I counted my virginity, but again, I'm bisexual and not a lesbian. I'm not someone who had sex with men for years and then was like, ding, actually, I don't like to have sex with men. And actually, like, I think that if you talk to a lot of these women today, a lot of them, not a lot of them, I think Tracy would certainly consider herself bisexual, but I'll get you, I'll get to there when I get to there. So I just wanted to point out that Whitney is such a fucking dude. She I will be saying this throughout this series. Whitney is an ultimate fuckboy. She, the fact that she is a woman does not take away from the fact that she's a fuckboy. Even when, so everyone's telling their stories of their either their first experiences ever or their first like lesbian experience um, or first uh, woman on woman experience. And by the way, guys, throughout this series, I am going to be using those interchangeably. Lesbian and women with women because some of these people are bisexual, they don't know, like they're not saying it yet, Romy, but um, I just wanna like, I'm gonna be using them interchangeably because, and I'll be talking about, I'll be saying bisexual when I actually mean bisexual because for most of it, for most of what we're talking about, they are lesbians and, and they are women with women. 
like whether or not they're also bisexual is like not necessarily important to this particular story. So <laughs> all of them are just talking about like how they figured it out and how they like what they felt, like like real feelings and stuff. And Whitney is such a fucking dude. Like she's saying, well, when I was nine and she, and she was 11, she already had boobs and, uh, we were making out and I want to be sexy and romantic. So I told her I was going to put whipped cream all over her boobs and lick them off. But then it turned out she, I, we didn't have any. So I put sour cream on there and sure it's, it's a giggle. Okay. It's not, it's a, it's, it's an entertaining story, but it's just like when you ask men, not all men, but plenty of men, when what their first sexual experiences are. And they're always like, well, I was nine years old and my 15-year-old babysitter made me into a man. And you're like, okay, well, I don't think that's true, okay? And if it is true, you are a sexual assault victim. It's not, <laughs> I just feel like, especially like, in 2010, let's say the late 90s through the early aughts, like if you asked a man like when he lost his, he was very likely to tell you some story about being like 10 years old and you'd be like, okay. <laughs> Thank you for the fan fiction. <laughs> but like, I'm talking about an actual relationship. I'm not talking about what you, what you told your friends. I just think a lot of those are lies. And if they're not lies, then they're concerns. And I, I'm not here to tell people that they like, if they don't, if someone doesn't know they've been sexually assaulted, it's not up to me to impress upon them that they have until they, until they receive this trauma. I'm not doing that. But I am saying that like those stories are stories of, <laughs> of childhood trauma. <laughs> Told as a joke. Anyway, fine. <laughs> so then we get the credits, which is my favorite theme song of all time. Oh, it's Hazy from Love Darling. I I have a playlist on my phone of just like, I call it my everyday playlist and I just throw on songs that I'd like to hear. And then after I'm done hearing them, I take it off. Hazy has been on there for a very long time. I really like this song and it barely beats out. <laughs> it barely beats out the theme song from Shaws of Sunset. I know, I, I know, <laughs> I know you don't have to tell me I'm corny. I fucking know, dude. I'm a corny person, y'all. I like the song from Shaws of Sunset. Like, so I, I watch trash shows, old trash shows. I, I recently watched Denise Richards, um, Denise Richards' uh, first reality TV show, It's Complicated, just for shits and giggles. I just watched it for no fucking reason. It was before she was on Housewives. I just was like, oh yeah, didn't she? I'll watch this. I watch... Movies like, because I said so. Why would anybody expect me to have good taste in music? Why, why do I have to? Why can't I just like what I fucking like? Why can't I just have Mbop <laughs> on my everyday playlist on the way Chipotle singing Mbop? 
And remember when I thought the Hanson brothers were girls until they pantsed each other. And then I was like, oh, wait, girls wouldn't do that. Yeah, I, I never at any point will ever say to you, go listen to what I'm listening to because it's not good. <laughs> it just, I just like it. I just like it. Okay. So, <laughs> so, um, so the theme song comes in, comes in, I sing along with it and listen to the whole entire thing. And then I play it from my phone for like two twice or so. And then I keep watching. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to do this in order of most boring to least boring. Okay. So if I'm starting with the most boring, that is Jill and Nikki. Okay. And I remember when season two came and I was like, oh, thank God. I am not watching Jill and Nikki anymore. Jill and Nikki are, they're engaged. They're attached to the hip. They're, they're very skinny. <laughs> um, Nikki looks like Skeletor. I'm going to keep it real. She does. She has very big eyes and she's a very thin person. And so is Jill. Jill's very thin too. And Obviously, being thin is not the same as having an eating disorder. I, it is so disrespectful when you see someone who is thin and the first thing you're like is like, that person doesn't eat, that person doesn't has an eating disorder. I am going to say this about Jill and Nikki is that after watching this, I know for a fact the type of women they are and they're not skinny by chance. That's it. They work very hard to be skinny. They work... Nikki works very hard to look like a skeleton. So, you know, that's it. She, congrats to her. She got what she wanted. Um, they're also like, they're, when they say attached to the hip, like they cannot sleep without each other. They are talking about how they wake up. Um, Nikki makes the coffee and then they get on their 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 twin MacBooks and their two very small dogs and they start looking for wedding stuff. That's what they're really um they're really focused on right now. Now, they met at summer camp. And Nikki was Jill's brother's first boyfriend. I mean, girlfriend, and then they met on the summer camp reunion website or whatever. So immediately they have money. Okay. They are not, <laughs> I, I know that like, you do not have to be a rich person to go to summer camp. I know that, um, they have poor people, fresh air camps all the time, but people who go to summer camp every year, and then go to summer camp reunions are rich people. I don't know how to explain that to you. I really don't. It's just, that's, those are, I'm not saying that everyone who's ever gone to a summer camp is a rich person, but the type of person who goes every single year and then goes to a reunion is a rich person. That's it. So I remember immediately being like, okay, these are ones with lots of money. I don't know how like rich, what, what Whitney's bank account looks like. I don't know anything about that. I don't know. And some of these other people could be up or down. Rose is definitely like a finance bro. <laughs> if she was in New York, 
<laughs> she'd be a finance bro. Um, but obviously Jill and Nikki have money, make a lot of money. Okay. Um, Nikki says she's the straightest gay person you'll ever meet. Okay. I always have a problem when people say things like that. Um, mostly because I think that they're, they're preying on, or they're relying on the stereotype of what gay is or what a lesbian is. But I also understand that she's doing an interview and she's, they're shorthand. You're trying to say, okay, so like, I call my kids bad all the time. They are fucking bad. But if you, if you, if I were giving you like the overview of children, it is true that no children are actually bad. They act the way they act as, as well as they can in the moment. And attaching morality to it is not productive. That said, shorthand, I need to tell you my kids are bad. <laughs> and so shorthand, Nikki is saying, I am the straightest gay person you ever met to, to, to like just be clear about what she's like. She's not a part of the scene. She knows other gay people, but she's not. I think she's someone who would say that being gay isn't the biggest definer in her life, isn't her biggest identifier. So, oh, there's a continuity era in this episode too, where, um, Nikki goes to get the picture at camp of her and, and Jill's brother and her and Jill's toes are up with cotton or whatever the, well, no, they're rich people. They actually buy the little toe divider thingy, uh, between her toes because Nikki has just given her a pedicure, but it's later in the scenes where Nikki tells her that she needs a pedicure and gives her one. Um, I mean, basically this episode is just about them working on the wedding. Um, I do like, they do mention that when they get married, they will not be legally married. And 2010 seems so fucking far away. Um, because what happened is that, uh, gay marriage was approved, was, you know, approved in California and then repealed, um, by proposition. And it was part of, so some people were able to get married and then immediately, I, I think they got to stay married, but immediately the law was repealed, not immediately, but shortly after. And so this is during that time where, um, you know, marriage equality is like such a big, is such a big issue. And I do understand, I do like, let, let's acknowledge that the Supreme Court has ruled on marriage equality, but that does not mean that everyone is able to get married. Um, that means that the Supreme Court has ruled that everyone should be able to get married. That doesn't mean that getting a marriage license for two men in Arkansas is like incredibly easy. I don't know how easy it would be for me to get married to a woman in Texas. I don't know. And it depends on the county. Cause all these things are like marriage licenses are not a national thing. That's why it's so easy to get married to somebody to commit polygamy in a different state because they don't have uh, databases that like, 
Like when you go in, they're like, oh, you're actually still married in Nevada. That's not how it works. And so, I mean, every state has its own process and everything. And while we've all celebrated marriage equality, the Supreme Court decision on marriage equality, that does not mean that everyone who wants to get married has been able to. Because when it comes down to it, it's your county that issues marriage licenses, you know? So, I mean, that's just something to think about. It's, 2010 seems so fucking far away. It was 10 years ago. It seems like eons ago. Like, if you had told 2010 me about Donald Trump, I would have never believed you. I would have never believed you. I would have never believed that, like, um, you can't have a government contract right now if your company does diversity uh, training. What the fuck, man? I mean, that's just a small, it's just a, it's like a small little blip on the radar, but it's just like little shit like that. I would have never fucking believed you. Um, Nikki and Jill meet with a wedding planner. So they're, they're trying to find wedding planners. They meet with a wedding planner in a coffee shop. looks like a Starbucks or whatever. And they're having sticker shock. Like that wedding planner knew, knew her shit. I used to work in events and she definitely was talking the talk. Um, she sounded like somebody who like, who had to meet them on a Tuesday because she had events Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays, you know? And, um, she said, cause they were like, we kind of don't know where to start. And she said, you need to start at, um, the event space, which is true. Cause the, I mean, the venue, the venue will tell you what dates you have available. Like you can say you're going to get married on so-and-so date, but then you have to have a vi- you have to find a venue that has that date and that is so ass backwards you have to find a venue first and then choose your date um none of this 7707 bullshit i don't know why people like to get married on dates like that i think it's like a kitschy thing but in the grand scheme of things it will not matter it literally will not matter cuz it just won't matter <laughs> but like she's telling them that she's also telling them that like um Another very true thing is that if you go with a private residence, like LA is great because it has lots of events there, lots of options for events. If you go with a private residence, you get to customize that to your exact wedding, like your exact taste, your whatever you want. But it's a little harder because you do not have the infrastructure there. They like you're at a private residence. You don't have um, a kitchen that can bust out your sit down dinner and your four courses or whatever like that. You have to bring in catering and, um, that's going to cost you more. Uh, but there are also like big grand halls that do this shit that pump out four weddings a fucking week and know what the fuck they're doing. And you kind of just go in, choose a few things, add a few touches and then let the ball, just let it do itself. It, I mean, that girl sounded like she knew exactly what the fuck she was talking about. And so they're experiencing sticker shock because they asked her to write down what she think it would cost, which I I think is also a mistake. I think you should have told her what your budget is. And then she could have guided you to where you need to be. Because what she thinks makes a great wedding doesn't change your budget. (laughs) Or maybe it does because, um, Nikki tells us she works very hard (laughs) 
<laughs> and she for a living and she she is you know she believes she should be able to take out her checkbook she's more likely to check out her checkbook to make things happen and she's you know she makes sure to let us know that she left her mother's home she left her parents home at 21 with 500 dollars, and she's earned everything that's really interesting as she said that right so her saying that makes me know that she is a person of means, okay? And has always been a person of means. And it's always someone like that that wants you to know how little they started off with. When, but they don't take into account. So you left your parents' house when you were 21. Had you graduated college? Right, they paid for you to go, with no debt probably, right? They paid for you to go to a really nice fucking school that, will, that lets you um, network with other people who went to that really nice school that helped you find, helped you with your job prospects when you got out. So now, so now, um, you're using an alumni network. You're using, uh, you're using resources you got while in school. Cause you got the right internship. Cause you got to do an internship cause your parents paid for your school and you didn't have to have a job. Or if you did have a job, it was like a piddly job for beer money or whatever. And so now, so do you got the right internship? So now you have a job and you left their house. Did you walk out? Did you like walk away from there? Or were you driving your mom's old BMW? <laughs> oh, and it was used. Oh, <laughs> it was seven years old. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seven years old is an old car, is an older car. And yeah, your mom, you're fortunate. Your mom was able to like give you her old Beamer, but so you're left home with $500 at 21 is not the same as I started from nothing. That's absolutely not nothing. Did they pay your, did they pay your deposit on your first apartment with your, with your college, with your best friend from college? Yeah. They put down, they put down the two grand or whatever the fuck it was. Even if you had a cheap apartment, like whatever it was, and then bought you dishes and shit. And, and that very nice college education you had allowed you to allowed you to um find a, a good job that gave you a decent starting salary and then yeah you worked your way from there i get it but also you had a bit of a help because you went to a very nice school with networking and resources and you and i'm sure your family was supportive of you and the fact the fact that they gave you five hundred dollars when you left wow that's amazing. I don't know. I, I'm not like trying to take anything away from, it. I think when people talk about privilege, they think that we're saying, we're saying that then you've had everything handed to you. You don't have any problems. That's not true. Obviously she's had problems. She's had hardships. She's had to work hard to get what she wanted, but let's acknowledge Let's acknowledge that you that you did start off with some shit and that those things are valuable things and that your $500 left my mom's house and I left my parents' house in, in my mom's old Beamer with my very expensive college education to the apartment that they paid a deposit on. You know, like that's that's different <laughs> than what, you, what you're actually saying here. But anyway, Listen, if she makes the money, she can spend the money. And I really do envy people who have that relationship with money that it's just like, it's just money. It's just a fucking tool and I'll do with it what I want. And so, but Jill's a little less, she describes herself as a little less successful than Nikki. Um, and she says that, 
So she's a little worried about it. And when the wedding planner leaves, she is thinking, you know, that's a big number to her. And Nikki is trying to calm her down, but it's a big number, you know? It's one weekend of your life and, well, it's really one day. They said one weekend, but it's one day of your life. And afterwards, they want to have kids. Um, I, ha- I have checked in on them over the years. They do have kids. I don't remember if they're still together, but they I think they have two kids. Uh, they, you know, they live in LA. They have a certain lifestyle they want to keep up with. And dropping a huge chunk on this fucking wedding that's technically supposed to be small and intimate is... Is something to think about. That's all. It's something to think about. If you have the money and you want to, then cool. But I think I can under also understand where Jill is coming from with like, okay, but is this what we want to do? I also want to mention that they're looking for wedding dresses and stuff. And, and, um, Jill is, Jill really wants, okay. <laughs> Nikki does not want them to look like twinsies on their wedding day. They don't want to be wearing two similar dresses, right? Um, which I can understand. I wouldn't want to either. And then, so Nikki wants to wear like a white suit and they're like talking. And so Nikki's like, Dolce and Gabbana, white wedding suit click, 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 on, the, on the computer. And, but Jill is unhappy because she wants Nikki to try a dress. And I guess Nikki, you know, in a suit, in a, is, is in a white suit is very, common to them like that's something that's Nikki's style and she and but Jill really wants it to be like we're at a wedding we're at our wedding we look different than we would going to a fancy smanshy party or something like that or to a a gala we don't want to look like because these are the type of people that go to shit like this we we don't want to look like we might at that you know and that's really all that happened with them I mean they are the most boring couple on the show and I mean, they will continue to be all season. So the next people I want to talk about are Mikey and Raquel. So (laughs) Mikey works in, Mikey has like a, gosh, it's not a mullet. What do they fucking call that haircut? I don't know. She's got a, a choppy blonde. It, very much looks like the hair that Chachi had on Happy Days. Um, Joni loves Chachi. And it's just, I don't, I don't know what to call this haircut. But, I mean, I might call it a lesbian haircut. Because <laughs> she, she gives me, she gives me a cross between Melissa Etheridge and Kelly Catrone. Okay. Um, and the Kelly Catron part is because she's in fashion PR. So when we meet her, she's styling um, photo shoots. She has clients that who she has to get PR for, the whose fashion weeks that whose show she has to run for fashion week. I mean, she says she does the entirety of LA Fashion Week, which is not as expansive as New York Fashion Week, but is still a big fucking deal. It is LA. It is fashion. I mean, yeah. So... She is with Raquel, who is a, who is a, um, who is a makeup artist and they've been together about nine months. They're like, they, they've known each other for 11 years. Apparently Mikey thought Raquel was a drag queen when she met her, <laughs> uh, cause she's so tall and, 
Yeah, so they've known each other for about 11 years, but they've been in a relationship for nine months and they're like goo goo gaga over each other. But they also have like really intense uh, jobs that require 10 to 12 hours a day of work and they just don't see each other that much. They don't get a, a lot of time together. Um, let's see. I, re- I did my notes really funky. I like actually took chronological notes and fucked over my life. And so I had to go through and then mark like which one was which so that's why you hear me flipping so many pages um the most the most interesting scene for mikey this to this week was that she was seeing models i wonder what mikey's like given name is is it mikey is it michaela is it like what is mikey's given name maybe i should look that up hold on okay i'm back um i actually fell down a rabbit hole and started watching real L word casting uh, videos, but no, I don't know what Mikey's given name is. I just, uh, the reason I'm so interested in it is because I don't, I, I can't think of a, a, a female name that Mikey is the, is the, would, would be a nickname for like, like even Michaela is not like, I don't know how you get Mikey, like, I know how you get Mikey from it, but I don't know how it will work. Anyway, I'm just curious about that. If that if Mikey's been something she's been calling herself since she was young, or if it's something that she like got to a certain age and was like, I'm gonna go buy Mikey now. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, Mikey is definitely not with Raquel now at all. And the casting tape gave a little bit more information where it was just like, so they met each other 11 years prior, they dated, broke up, and then they started dating again like that year. So that's, <laughs> can you imagine me <laughs> dating someone a decade ago and then trying to date them again? Are you fucking crazy? <laughs> I don't even know who that fucking person was a decade ago. I'm not the same person. We can't date. I'm a whole different fucking person. Or maybe that's how it works because they are a whole different fucking person. Um, okay, so Mikey's seeing models for fashion week. Uh, she is trying to hire models. She, I mean, she's basically running a go see. And so <laughs> she's annoyed. Okay. Because in LA, everybody's a model, you know what I mean? And so like people coming to the door, she's looking for a professional. She's looking for someone with a comp card. So the comp card has like, my understanding is it has their stats on it and it has like pictures, like, smaller pictures of, of like so you can recognize them and like it, it'd be like a few shots on on the comp card just like real easy way for you to reference them and like who we represent by so like if we need to get in contact with them that we know okay email or call this person and they'll be able to book them okay so she's looking for comp cards and she's looking for something else oh oh their books so with their pictures in it so that she can look through them and see like what they look like and certain makeup and certain lighting, like get an idea because just because you came in today. And then also, I mean, I only know this shit from, <laughs> from, from an episode of uh, made where someone was a model. And then from, <laughs> from watching America's top model for years is that you also want to kind of look, um, like a blank canvas. You don't want to come in with a lot of makeup. You don't want to come in wearing something that's like incredibly that overpowers. You really want them to be able to imagine you in their show. So you want to come in jeans, a white shirt of some sort, maybe a tank top, 
um, just something really low key and streamlined and you want to have on nude underwear because you might have to put on some clothes to walk in real quick and you want to have your walk down. This is real quick. They're, they're only going to see you for like maybe two minutes tops, two minutes top. Maybe they ask you two questions and send you on your fucking way. Take your materials, send you on your fucking way. They're not going to be like, this isn't a 45 minute interview. Okay. So you really want to get the visuals right because they're going to just be like, yes, yes, no, no, blah, blah, blah. Now I know this. Okay. Someone who is, has nothing to do with modeling. I, I know this, but even watching Mikey do these. So Mikey tells her assistant that she's, she's going to have her write a one, two or three on top of the cop cards. A one is somebody you definitely want on the show. They've got a good walk and a good look. A two is somebody who might have a good look, but their walk isn't great. So maybe a backup and a three is somebody you're not going to book for the show. Great. My problem is, is that as they're walking down and I can't quite see it, but I have a feeling she's giving the ones, twos and threes in front of the people. And I know that in a go see, that is what it is. You go, you go see a designer, you go see a booker, you go see someone who's in charge of hiring the models and they critique you. You know, it's one of the few industries where someone could be like, what are your parents, darling? Where, what's your ethnicity? And like, <laughs> It's fine. They just like, they're supposed to ask you that. There's one of the, where they openly critique you in front of you. But I still found that to be incredibly rude because, um, I don't know. I just, I, you didn't have to, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like, and even though she was like writing with her hand, she was like signaling with her hands. It was a very over, like, it was a flashy symbol. I mean, signal, excuse me. It wasn't something like small, like where she just looks at her and goes one, you know, and says, you know, under her breath, just, just quiet enough that the assistant can hear it and that's it. But, um, yeah, I just found out to be rude. And I, I like, I don't know. I felt like there were better ways you could do this. You know, I, I felt like I, what I was watching was a power trip, which I'm not shocked by, but I don't know. I, we didn't have to do that. So what happens though, is that she's starting to get a little, she's getting a little upset because what's happening, she's getting a lot of models that have no modeling experience, right? So you're not going to, this is not something where we're going to, this is not Lauren Conrad's fashion show <laughs> where just anybody can be in it. The, she is hiring for fashion week and she is looking for professional models who've had experience, who know runways, who know how to walk, who have what they need and she doesn't have a lot of time. You know, it's those type of events kind of pile up on you and, you know, losing a day because you're getting a lot of inexperienced models is, you know, frustrating. So I get that part, but the, what happens is that she, she keeps seeing a lot of inexperienced models and she realizes that they're coming from like a certain agency and starts to, basically yell at a model. I mean, she starts off with like, I know it's not your fault. And the model's like, yeah, yeah, no, no, I understand. She's like, but you know, um, I don't understand why they would send you here without your stuff, blah, blah, blah. And so Mikey decides to get on the phone with this booker and the, cause she's like, how did she find out I was casting today? How did she find out and send her no experience bullshit models here with none of them what they need? So she calls. She's kind of rude on the phone and she's just like, how did you find out? 
about this booking, about this casting. And uh, the person on the other end goes, names a name. And you know what that name is? Her assistant. Because she told her assistant to, like, and they're literally on the phone while they're doing this with this, with this booker. She's like, you called them? And the assistant's like, yeah, you told me to call local agencies. <laughs> and Mikey says, I told you to write a list of local agencies. So what the, what the assistant did was call local agency and say, hey, we're having a casting for, for um, LA Fashion Week. Send your people over. And they did. <laughs> they fucking did. It's not their fault. They did. Whereas I think that Mikey wanted to call some more established agencies and then also maybe have like later have a couple of local agencies coming in. So at this point, she's realized the mistake is that the reason you have all these inexperienced people you can't deal with in the office is your own office. Okay. It's confusion in your office. You're not organized. And yet she continues the conversation with the booker and basically gives her like a snotty, you know, well, I'm just not used to this. This is bullshit. You're not, she didn't say bullshit, but basically like, I can't believe you did this. And it's already been established that your, your assistant called and told her to do it. And also probably did, here's the other thing. Not only did your assistant call, your assistant called and did not say, and please don't send anyone who doesn't have a book or a cop card. So that's what, Mikey says at this point, and you can hear, you can't hear what the other person's saying on the phone, but by Mikey's facial expressions, you can see that you can, you can tell that the other person is basically like, bitch, you called me, <laughs> you called me to send them over there. And now you calling me to get mad. This sounds like, sounds like you ain't organized, bitch. And Mikey's like, if I were you, you be real careful about the way you're talking because I'm someone who will not work with some with an agency again if it's a problem. And I'm like, Mikey, put your balls away. You are in the wrong here. I know you don't like the way they're speaking to you, but you came in hot and wrong. And so they give you a little bit of your own medicine. Just say thank you and hang up the phone. Like, why are you still talking? I... Well, you can hear Mikey's talking and then the person interrupts them, blah, blah, blah. And then you hear Mikey like, don't ever fucking call here again and hangs up the phone. <laughs> and then stands up and says, and, and says any models in, cause there, there are tons of people in the waiting room. Cause that's, I mean, essentially what they're doing. Anybody with this agency, get out. Your booker's rude. I don't want to see you. Don't ever come back here again. <laughs> and I'm like, Mikey, this is... <laughs> And this, and this is why one of those things where I'm like, okay, well, I guess I, you know, I just know that me and Mikey don't mesh because that was incredibly fucking rude, which you just did that. You've been rude all fucking day, but <laughs> that was really rude. Don't ever call here again. You called her. What do you mean? Don't call here again. You don't call here again. What are you talking about? <laughs> I remember just this one time it was a, it was a business that I like do business with that called me and was just like. First of all, they called me Jones, which is something people call me when they do not believe my first name is Princess. I get lots of emails addressed to, hi, Jones, as if Princess is some title I've given myself, and my name is actually Jones Curtis. Jones is not a first name. Neither is Princess, to be honest, but it makes more sense than Jones. So 
But like they called me and were mad. And they were like, uh, because we were on a phone call. And I was like, we don't have to be on a phone call. Like, I don't even know why I answered this call, but don't you be mad that this phone call is taking time out of your day when you called me. And they continued to be a little sporty. So I just hung up. The, I was like, oh, I'll fix it. And I hung up the phone. And that was it. Like, I, you don't call me and be mad at me for, <laughs> I don't know. It was real weird, this Mikey shit. And I think, you know what I think happened? I think the camera got to her. That's all. So later, you know, I feel like she was, she was trying to be important on camera. And she made a misstep when she realized her assistant was the one that fucked the shit up. Like, I feel like when she got on, when she was like, get, get them on the phone. When I feel like when she did that, she was like, I am going to rip them a new one and I'm going to be on camera. I'm gonna let people know not to fuck with my business. And, uh, turns out she got fucked with. So later we see Mikey and Raquel making dinner and eating together and, you know, just being playful. And, uh, Mikey says that they have very, uh, gendered roles at home. Mikey, by the time, Raquel gets home. Mikey's had a couple of drinks and feels very much the man and ordering her around. And Raquel has to make dinner. I'm like, okay, <laughs> whatever floats your fucking boat, guys. And they decide to pretend to play act as Jillian Michaels and Jackie Warner of Workout, which I know I need to cover at some point. I watch that shit over and over again. <laughs> and uh, in the bed, <laughs> which is really funny because... Like Raquel's on top of Mikey going, what's your goal weight? What's your goal weight? <laughs> I don't know. I found that fucking funny. And I think that's all we got of Mikey and Raquel this episode. Yeah, I think that's all we got of them this episode. We'll get more stuff from them later. Um, Let's see. So we got Mikey and Raquel. We did uh, Boring O's, Jill and, and uh, Nikki. Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? So, Tracy and Stamey. So here's the deal. Tracy and Stamey, <laughs> Tracy is 29 years old. And she tells us that she did not realize that she was queer. Until she was 25 at Magic Mountain and she went with a coworker and they were going through the lines and holding hands and that's when she realized that she actually liked women. That is, like listen, you come to it when you come to it. Like, sexuality is a moving target and like we're all learning things about ourselves every day. I just think 25's late to even consider that you might like women. Um, I know people come out like very late in life, uh, like, you know, Grace and Frankie, uh, Grace and Frankie didn't come out, their husbands did and were in love with each other and they got married and that's how Grace and Frankie kind of embarked on their adventure. I like the show. It's fine. It's not something I have to watch, but I do enjoy it. I want to be Frankie when I grow up. Um, I mean, without doing all the drugs. <laughs> and so, um, but what was I saying? Like people come out later in life, but when they come out later in life, they didn't figure it out when they were 70. They always knew, or they've known a very long time and they just decided to talk about it. 
I think it's interesting that Tracy did not realize she might like women until she was 25 years old. Um, and I'd like to hear more about why that is. Um, and Tracy, I'm assuming Tracy's a very beautiful woman. She's dark. She's, um, she's tall. She's very skinny. I mean, she's in a bra most of this episode. And I mean, she's a beautiful girl and she's friendly and she's great. I'm assuming Tracy dated men until she was 25. And so I don't, I'm assuming she had sex with men until she was 25 and 25's a little old to be having, uh, I don't want to call it pity sex, but like obligatory sex with men. You know what I mean? Like, like you, it's 16. You have sex with your boyfriend because he wants you to have sex with him. You know, I can't imagine being 24, 25 years old and literally going out on dates and having sex with men because they wanted me to, but I didn't want to. I can't imagine that, but you know what? That's probably someone's life, so whatever. But anyway, I, 25 is a long time to be dating men and not realize that you, that you actually like women. So is Tracy bisexual? That's what I, I think. I, I mean, she doesn't say that. And maybe if I, like her and Stamey are still together, <laughs> by the way, 10 fucking years later. So some of the shit I'm going to say about them is, is uncalled for, but I'm, I'm going based on the fucking show, not based on what happened in real life. And, but, uh, yeah, like, dude, um, I'd like to hear more about that. I think, I think it's interesting that she is absolute, that if she is, a lesbian, gay, not, does not consider herself bisexual at all. And yet what, 10, seven, 10 years you were sleeping with men and not, why? <laughs> like also you could date, like if it was a, uh, like if this was an older story that was set in the seventies or eighties, I might feel differently if we find out that she that her, she had a lot of family pressure to date men but she wasn't having sex with them i can understand that i, I could i could, but um having a series like like what we do when we're 16 17 18 19 early 20s uh year what we normally do in those is uh, you date a series of people and i can't imagine her dating a series of men during that time and find and realizing when she was 24, 25 years old, that she was actually gay and had no attraction to men and whatever sexual she'd been having with men was just like something she felt obligated to do. Anyway, I'm gonna get off of this. Um, so she works in production, um, and her and Stamie have been dating for four months. Um, and her parents live in New Jersey. They're, they are divorced, but they are still very close. Um, she's Latinx and she, it's very cute scene with her in her bra on her patio. Again, she's in a bra a lot on her patio, just like talking to her mother in English and in Spanish. And even like they in the call, her mother seems so, her mother seems so sweet on the phone. And even her um, ending the call with, um, with, uh, you know, I'd love to talk to you more, mom, but I have to go. 
like, like when I had to call my mom, I'm like, all right, I got to do this. Talk to you later. But like, it sounded like Tracy really wanted to lay on that patio and talk to her mom, but she was really sad, but she had to go somewhere. <laughs> anyway, so she's dating Stamey. Stamey is a real estate agent who does comedy on the side, but real estate pays her bills. And Stamey just got out of a, not just, well, maybe just got out of a long-term relationship with her ex, Jill. Jill was pregnant when Stamey met her. And so their oldest Jagger is Jill's biological son. And then they have a set of twins that is Stamey's biological children. But I mean, obviously their children together, their children are, they have three children together and they've broken up and now they're co-parenting. Um, not only are they co-parent, those are, first of all, those are the young ass kids. I think Jagger's like four. Those are young kids that they're looking at. Maybe five, those are fucking young. And not only are they, so <laughs> if Jagger's five, when they're saying a long-term relationship, that means that they were together for five years and had three kids. Now, I'm not saying that's not a long-term relationship, but I mean, it is one. It's just, it's, it's shorter than I thought it was going to be, you know? And not only are they co-parenting, they're sharing a truck. Like they're arguing, not arguing, but they're like ribbing each other. They're ribbing each other in the driveway about how each, each other leaves the car or the truck or whatever, whatever, and who leaves it here and, and there. And that's fine, but it's like the type of ribbing that can easily turn into a fucking fight. Like if I'm in the wrong mood and you're ribbing me about this, like if we're in a good mood, then it's just like, have a nice day. And if you're in a, in a bad mood, it's like, you fucking bitch. Hey, how dare you fight me about the cup, the coffee in the truck again. And so, um, after that drop off scene, which Jill seems very comfortable in and like, Tracy's in the house, like hugging and kissing the kids. And it's like, I miss them. And I had to look up how long they'd been together. Cause I wasn't thinking about it. And I was like, how long have they fucking been together? They've been together four months, guys. Well, like I said, I think they're still together as of two years ago. I think they're still together and they might still be together right now. It's four months is too old. It's too early to be introducing your those kids don't even seem old enough to be in school yet. And if they are, they're like in kindergarten and pre-K, maybe first grade and, and kindergarten. Those are young kids, guys. And the idea of introducing my young ass kids to someone I have been dating for four fucking months. And I know, I know, I know, I know. We're going to get into, we're going to start talking about the U-Hauls and how what's the lesbian bring on the second date, a fucking U-Haul. Yeah, 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 I get it. Lesbian relationships move fast. Meanwhile, that's a stereotype anyway. Not always true. Meanwhile, gay men will be fucking for 10 years and be like, I think I kind of like them. And just, <laughs> that's a stereotype, right? That said, like, this is bad parenting. <laughs> I'm so happy it worked out for everybody in the end, but this is bad parenting. Um, what I want to know, what I want to believe, what I've said, cause Stamey seems to me, seems like a really rational person. And actually so does Tracy. Tracy seems like a really rational person too. I've listened to them. They have like a little, 
podcasts for a little while and they do do YouTube videos every now and then. I think I've seen them on YouTube a couple of times. And Tracy has talked about how she was in production and she understands that they had to have a storyline for the first season, but she doesn't feel like it was accurate to what was going on. Like she wasn't like overwhelmed and wasn't like, what are we going to do with these kids? And I'd love it if, if I heard more of their background because like I said, Stamie doesn't seem like a crazy person. And I feel like maybe she knew trait, like they knew each other for a while. Like they were friendly. They were friends. Like maybe they've been friends or for like a year or so. And then when Stamie's relationship like went away, then they started hanging out. And then, so when they say four months, they mean four months since we decided to try a romantic relationship. Like that makes a lot more sense to me because then it's not a question of when to introduce Tracy because they already know Tracy because she's been in the house for barbecues or she's mama's friend or, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's, she already knows them. So you're not introducing, it's a question of whether you introduce her as a romantic partner. And because they're so young, you don't necessarily introduce her as a romantic partner. You introduce her as a romantic partner to a 10 year old, but a five or four year old, you don't go, Oh, by the way, now me and Tracy are together. We're going to sleep in the same bed now. Like, that's not, you don't have those types of conversations with four-year-olds. Um, you may answer questions about why you sleep in the same bed together, but not, you don't, like, have a formal dinner where you're like, and now we're dating. So I think it was probably something like that. I just, I don't believe, well, maybe I fucking do, but I just don't want to believe that Stamie was, met her uh, at a bar four months earlier and now she's got her in there with her fucking kids. Like, that is crazy. I think about my husband dying all the time. <laughs> that came out wrong. Um, my husband is two years older than me, takes terrible care of himself, and is back to smoking cigarettes. And so I do think about what... <laughs> so the way I said it first sounded like I was lying in bed going, when will he die? <laughs> That's not what I think. But I do, as someone who worries a lot about the future and someone who's always like five steps ahead of where I am right now, I do always think to myself, okay, so what would happen if something happened to my husband? And like, I'm single. Or like, what if I have to divorce him for some reason? He gets, he gets fucking crazy and I have to divorce him or something. Um, or he cheats on me, I have to divorce him. I think about like, what it'd be like dating. And I just can't imagine... Like, I mean, whether I end up dating men or women, whichever one, uh, or both is, you know, dating is dating a lot of people, not just one person. But like, if I, I can't imagine just being like meeting someone and having three, four dates with them. Well, four months, maybe you have more days. Even if I had 10 days and just being like, all right, come meet my kids. I feel like I would spend a lot of time alone with this person. They probably wouldn't meet my kids for maybe six months, maybe a fucking year. I can be weird about things. Um, I just, I don't know. It, it really threw me off there. I was like, what? Four months? But I mean, in, to their credit, I it feels like they think that Four months is a very, very long time, but it's, I mean, four months is nothing. Um, one thing I want to mention is that uh, when Tracy is talking to her mom, she mentions that the two of them have decided not to talk about gay stuff because their parents are not comfortable with their sexuality. I probably, 
I not to defend her parents because I'm not like your child's sexuality has nothing to do with you. It's none of your business, and it's it's like I it's literally none of your business. But I, I so when someone tells you like tells you information about their sexuality, uh, honestly, thank you for telling me that. And then moving on is is how you handle that. Not not like well my opinion on your sexuality is this well what the fuck does your opinion have to do with anything you're not what does that have to do anything but so that's one thing but this but i also understand that sometimes you have to meet people where they are like yeah should she be like completely open and accepting yeah 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 um but i'm imagining her new jersey parents saying well, this is what it is. And like having an understanding of who Tracy is. And then Tracy at 25, <laughs> 24, 25 years old is like, actually I'm gay. <laughs> and then be like, what? What is this? <laughs> and not understanding at all. I can understand that part. I feel like then you keep that shit under your hat and you just say again, thank you for letting me know. I just want the best for you. I adore you. And I, I only want you to be very, very happy. So however you make yourself happy, I will be happy. And then you go talk to your own therapist about that. <laughs> but um, they've decided that her mom's not going to talk to her about gay stuff. And what I found that, what I found weird about that is Tracy's gay. So what, you don't want to talk about Tracy? She says she's gay. So... It's like when people say they don't see color. Well, then I always think, well, then you don't see me because I'm, this is color over here. You you look through me and above me and around me, but not at me. You don't see me in your landscape because you don't see color. You think everyone's exactly the same, but we're not the same. I have different life experiences than you do because I am a different race than you are. And instead of like engaging with that, acknowledging that, um, I'm not asking you to go march on Washington, but I am asking you to hear me and to validate, not validate, I don't need you to validate, but to uh, accept my experiences as my own and not and not like downplay them or throw them away or, or call them lies because they're not your experiences. That's what I expect. I don't like, I hate I don't see color. And I also hate, I don't care if you're black, white, Brown, purple. Where the fuck are these purple people at? Who the fuck is purple? I don't know. I, I thought that was weird when um when uh Tracy's mom said that. Okay, so we talked about Tracy and Stamy, who I actually really, really like, and I'm happy to hear they're still together. I mean, it worked out for them. Alright, so we talked about them. Let's talk about Rose. Um so <laughs> Earlier, I called Rose a financial bro because that's what she is. She is someone who works in real estate finance and she's all about like making money and having drinks, going out with my bros. <laughs> she's, and it's so weird because she looks like a sexy telenovela star. Like she is, her hair, she has these um, beauty marks on her face, her eyes, her lips. She just looks like a very sultry woman and if i saw her somewhere 
I would think she's gorgeous, by the way. I would I would think to myself she was one thing, and then when she started talking, was like, I have this many shares of Uber, and <laughs> you know, all I do is cheat on women. It go, like she sounds like a bro, and it's it freaked me out at first. Um, she's very aggressive. Um, she's someone who cares a lot about money and not a lot about where she lives because where she lives, like. They have a weird lamp in the middle of the floor and the bed's weird. I'm like, this is such a broy thing to do. Like, be all like, I make this amount of money and I do this and da, da, da. And then you go to their place and it's like, got a lamp and an Xbox and a couch in it and that's it. Uh, she's in a long-term relationship, long-term, seven months, with um, with Natalie, Nat. And it's hard because she's a cheater, okay? That's it. She's she's just, uh, she came out at like 19 years old. Her parents were incredibly accepting of her. Everyone was all good. I mean, she doesn't have a great relationship with her mom, but I don't necessarily think it's because she's gay. And I mean, she even I just watched her, um, her audition tape or whatever, and she like, she's playing softball. And her dad's out there like cheering her on and shit. Like her family really fucking loves her. And they love Natalie. But because she has been basically flipping woman, 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 and woman since she was 21, she's absolutely a player. I mean, she's she's an old dog, you know? You can't teach her new tricks. And her ex was like, they had a really toxic relationship to the point where Rose had to get a restraining order on her. I mean, it... You know, she's she's not had a good run of relationships. She really just is like, when's the next one, next one, next one, next one. And so she's with Natalie now. And Natalie is is a little more low-key. Natalie's like a hairdresser. Um, and, uh, you know, she keeps more normal hours. And she says, she, in her talking head, Natalie says that Rose likes to go out. Rose likes to, to, and sometimes Rose forgets she has a girlfriend when she goes out, which would be annoying to me too. Um, Rose, uh, like when Rose comes home from being out, she's out, she's on the mic at the bar, she's putting money in, in go-go dancers, underwear and stuff. She's, you know, you know, she's playing big man on camp, big man out there. And when she comes home, she brings roses in the middle of the night and Natalie is asleep. She brings roses and then crawls over Natalie to get in the bed and wakes her up. And I would have fucked her up. Okay, I don't care what time you come home. We'll deal with that later. But you are not gonna fucking wake me up when you get here to talk to me and the and the and the snuggle with me because you're drunk. Get the fuck out of here. I was so mad by that, and I mostly like Rose, because I think she's gorgeous. She's so cute, and I think she's funny. But I mean, she's she. It's obvious that her and Nat are not like together forever they they have a very rocky relationship and i mean it's mostly because of rose um and rose goes to eat with her family i mean that fucking food looked good and uh, her dad and her uncle are basically trying to get her to settle down with natalie they're ready for her to settle down they love natalie and they like they're just tired of like all these revolving doors of girls and they're like they're giving her advice the type of advice you give I mean, really, you give, like, some 20-year-old boy that is with his high school sweetheart and he keeps cheating on her, and you're like, listen, you're going to want a woman that's going to be by your side, and you really have to stop worrying about your friends and look to your relationship and stuff. And, you know, 
Rose is just nodding her head. I think Rose is 35 at this point. I mean, so Rose is a grown-ass woman. She's a she's grown-grown. She's good and fucking grown. And so it's interesting that she needs to have this conversation. Um, later, Rose and Natalie go out, and it's a... Um, later when almost all the girls end up at the same spot. And Rose is somebody who needs a lot of attention on herself, you know? Like I said, she's a big man and not as in she is a big man, but like, you know how men go out and they want to play, you know, like they're the big man on campus and they want everyone to see them and they want to, you know, and that's how she does. And while they're out, um, Rose picks up another girl and it doesn't seem like Rose is sexually interested in that girl. Okay. It doesn't seem like that's a thing it, or, I mean, one of the things about dating women, when you date women in a community is that it feels like you've dated everyone in the circle. Because sometimes you either sleep with someone or date someone and it turns out they're not right for you and they just become a friend. And it's, and, and then they, and then they've been friends, you've been friends for so long that it kind of, you kind of forget that you dated a while ago, you know? So it's possible that that girl that Rose is picking up was an, is an ex, maybe not a very like recent ex, but someone she's been with. But even if it's not, Natalie doesn't like it. And she says to Rose, like, how would you like if I were picking up girls? And Rose, I feel, is drunk because she's like, you could never pick anybody up. <laughs> like, that's the issue. Like, the issue is how tall Natalie is. And Natalie's pretty petite. Rose is pretty tall. Um, I mean, and even, I mean, even with her protesting, Rose finally is like, no, I wouldn't like that. Don't do that. And I was like, okay, so then you don't do it. And Rose is like, man... <laughs> like she's ruining my vibe. Um, they kind of get into a little fight, and at the end of the episode, they, along with Whitney and Sada, they are one of the couples that is being filmed, and like they're making out, they're in their underwear or whatever. And I mean, we see Whitney and Sada having sex, but I don't know that we see Rose and Natalie having sex. Um, maybe a voiceover of like them breathing hard. I'm not sure. Uh. And that's one of those things, again, I'd be like, I really don't want, I don't even let people go in my bedroom a lot of times. Like, if the babysitter's here, I close my bedroom door, no one's allowed in my room. If, like, the therapist is here with the kids, and I happen to go into my bedroom to do something, and she, and the kids follow me in there, so then she follows me in there, I cry, I make everyone get out. Like, I don't like people in my bedroom. I certainly don't want you in there filming me having drunk makeup sex with someone. <laughs> like... All right, but I mean, thank God they did it because otherwise, what the fuck would I be watching? Okay, so let's end this up. We got Whitney and Sada. So Whitney, we see Whitney. She's picking up um, Sada and Taylor from the airport. And I think Taylor is moving down there. Sada's visiting, considering moving down from San Francisco. Um, I'm gonna start with Whitney's white dreads, okay? <laughs> And I can't talk about it every episode because who wants to fucking hear that? But I am going to explain to you why people dislike white people's dreads, okay? And it's this, that <laughs> um, 
dreadlocks are uh, uh, primarily for people of African descent. Okay, I know there are some people like, well, we're, well, you know, Vikings and you know, some of them had dread. Listen, 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 listen. I'm sure that you can find plenty of shit in history, but I'm telling you that right now, that in popular culture, that dreadlocks are primarily for people of African descent because that is how our hair grows when left unattended. We don't have to put a bunch of shit in it. We don't have, you don't have to do anything. You really just leave, let it be and it'll form itself. And it's not that white people can't have dreadlocks. I mean, you can do whatever you want to. Like, I'm not about telling people what they can't do. I'm not saying you can't have cornrows or put beads in your hair or whatever, but understand that when you get to do stuff like that, you are taking on something culturally that you either, that you likely don't understand the extent of and wearing it like a costume. So that's one thing, but also, but I mean, we do that with all kinds of things. Okay. When black Americans wear random kente cloth or other sign, uh, other things that are primarily African because they are trying to find some sort of touchstone to their African roots, but they actually mean something to the cultures of the peoples that you're taking that from. That's appropriation as well. But when you do stuff like that, particularly when white people don things that are primarily black and use them to, uh, as accessories to gain, uh, to, as forms of beauty, um, as ways to, to gain likes and popularity online as any of those things. Remember that when black people do the exact same things that you're doing, we are, we don't get jobs. We are not accepted. We are targeted and profiled. And so when you come to visit for a little while with your dreadlocks and your, and your Tupac (laughs) t-shirts and shit, and then when things get rough, you get to take all that shit off and go back to the other side you are, you are demonstrating why appropriation is so frustrating. You are demonstrating when, when, so one of the reasons people have such a problem with the Kardashians and how much they steal from black women is that they get to wear those hairstyles and have those big asses and tan super deep and mimic are large lips and things like that, and they get praise for it. Whereas a black woman with those same characteristics is often called ghetto or ugly, or basically they made a whole brand on taking the best parts of black women and sticking it on themselves. Whereas black women are down for having those exact same things. That's why it's frustrating. Like I, you know, like uh, Whitney can have her white dread. That's fine. Uh, it's not. I mean, they don't look terrible. <laughs> but it's why. In case you're wondering why sometimes people are 
people who go so hard on people with white dreads or some or white women in box braids and stuff is that like like there are still places you can't get a job with box braids because they're too ghetto and too ugly and yet you get your like you know you take your white ass over there and get your box braids and everybody thinks it's cute and you get a bunch of likes and you get to and you get and you're on the fucking vogue.com as an innovator when black women were wearing that shit for years years anyway centuries <laughs> no, not centuries but that's like a uh, box braids are straight up black culture and when you take pick and choose pieces from it to further yourself while we are still being down for having it it feels gross it's part of white supremacy. It's part of the fucking problem. That's it. Wear your box braids. Wear your wear your dreadlocks. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Like, it's not. I'm I'm not like one of those like dread purists. I don't like. <laughs> I, I'm not one of those people. But I. I just want you to understand why, like, some people have a really fucking big problem with it. You know. White girls with big asses and and fake dreads and, you know, are really cute. But black girls with big asses and real dreads are ugly. <laughs> it's it's gross. But so that, that's all I want to talk about, about Whitney's hair. And I won't talk about it again. Um, I will say that, Whit, like I said before, Whitney is an absolute fuckboy. And, and throughout this episode, we will talk more about that. First off, Whitney is picking up Sada and Taylor. Sada and Taylor live in San Francisco. Taylor, I think, is moving there. And she's known they've she's known Whitney a long time. Whitney's from like Connecticut or something. And she used to live in New York. And then she moved to LA. Um so uh and Sada is someone that Whitney has been romantically involved with. Um Whitney's single. Okay, that's important to remember that Whitney is single. So all these women she's sleeping with, it's perfectly fine. She is single. But I'm going to get to the part where I think that she is not at all truthful. Okay. Um, they go to brunch and they just talk about how LA lesbians aren't necessarily super femme. Like someone might think that you, you get a lot of femme lesbians in LA. It's not that they're just more polished in general. Like even someone who's a bit more butch, um is more polished and like uses hair products and might wear makeup. And it's, they're just saying that, I mean, but I think that you would say that about all people in LA, right? That they are just a bit more polished than, um, or more aware of appearances than maybe someone in Wisconsin. I mean, it really just depends. Um, they go out to smoke together and we get a talking head about, like Sada's talking about their conversation, like their connection and how they, she, they just feel so strong and, and it's intense. And Whitney is trying to convince her to move to LA or maybe like, I don't want to put it all on Whitney. I think Sada was considering moving to LA period already, but Whitney is gun ho for her to move to LA. And again, the more we get through this episode, like, so if I'm having sex with you, you're staying at my house while you're visiting LA. 
You're sleeping in my bed. And I am saying to you, you need to move to LA. You need to move to LA. What do you think I am trying to say to you? Are, is it not that we're going to date each other when we get to LA? Are we not going to be together when we get to LA? When I get to LA? What are you talking about? Why do you keep convincing me to trying to convince me to move to LA? It, and I get that she's not saying move to LA and be my boo. Okay. <laughs> but she is, she is implying that. And it's a type of shit where some, somebody, some girl, some fuck boy, some Whitney mixer, mixer or whatever her name is, uh, tries to convince you to move to like, every time you talk to them, they're like, yeah, you should move here. You should move here. You should move here. And then when you move there and you call them, they're like, oh, cool. You're here. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> and you're like, wait a second though. What happened? Um, Whitney implies a lot of things. And then she'll say, I didn't tell you that. Um, let's see what else. What happens after that? Oh. So Whitney and goes out with Sada and her LA friends because she wants to give Sada a good impression of LA. And you know, they're just, they're having a good time. You know, Sada's dancing and shit. Sada's a go-go dancer. I think Sada's a makeup artist and a go-go dancer, which explains her like her confessional look where she's wearing like a lot of fucking intense makeup. Um, and she's like, dancing around and Whitney loves it and she's dancing on the bar in her bare feet which is oh, I mean I'm glad that she's not falling she's not in heels falling on the bar but also like get off the fucking bar put your feet off the fucking bar man <laughs> and that's when Whitney notices Romy who we all we don't get a full introduction of Romy yet but we will eventually um Romy is someone that Whitney has been seeing she's been sleeping with and she appears in this bar where uh, Whitney's entertaining Sada. Now, here's the thing. I don't know that Romy just appeared in that bar. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, LA's huge. LA County is huge. But it's also really small. And I can imagine that a camera crew following Whitney around with Sada elicited some, like, triggered some text out there. To people like Romy was like, listen, that girl you've been fucking is up in here and she's on the TV and she's with this bitch. And, and I see Romy getting herself ready and heading out for the night, you know? Um, <laughs> but when Romy get, sees that Whitney is there, maybe some whoever texted Romy or whoever let Romy know this was happening didn't let her know that she was there with someone else. But so when Romy sees Sada's there, it's too awkward. And she's like later and runs out. And I don't know why it's super awkward, but what happens because. Yes, I do know why it's awkward. What I'm saying is like when we've got this down all on paper, Whitney's a very single person. She's been sleeping with Romy a little bit, but nothing serious. No names, nothing like that. Just, you know, I see you when I see you. I'll fuck you when I fuck you. And she's got her other friend here, Sada, who she likes a lot. But, you know, again, I'll see you when I see you and I'll fuck you when I fuck you. And and so, like, there's no obvious thing that's happening here. She, It's two people she knows in the bar, right? So it's not like she was, like, making out with Sada. Did I miss that? But anyway, um, 
so they go outside to talk and you know Romy's crying <laughs> like off the fucking bat she's fucking crying when we meet Tinder Romy she's crying and she's just like um you know I haven't heard from you I haven't really seen you and everyone's been saying that you don't want anything to do with me you don't want anything serious you just kind of you you don't want a relationship and Winnie's like who said that it was very Portia. Who said that? Who said that? She didn't say that it wasn't true. She just kept going, who's everybody? Who said that? Because, you know, I've only been, like, confiding in in um, Scarlett, who's the friend that's there with Whitney. And, you know, did you hear that from Scarlett? And Scarlett's out there with the purse and stuff. And she's like, no, I didn't hear from Scarlett. Like, Whitney never said, first of all, I don't know why Whitney's didn't say, well, you know, I'm not really looking for a relationship because that's true. She's not looking for a relationship, but she doesn't say that. She just goes, who said that? And I mean, she kind of like, you know, does her Tinder talking to Tinder Romy and, you know, they end up leaving. Whitney gets home with Scarlett and we see that Romy has text. I mean, they have blackberries. Oh my God. And so <laughs> they, they, we see that Romy has texted Scarlett and Whitney some very sad shit. She's very upset. And um, she tells Whitney she wishes she'd never met her and never hooked up with her. Like Whitney goes outside and calls her. And Whitney says, I know, she's, she basically, like I said, tells her more sweet shit. And she just says, it's okay, it's okay. I know we're going to be great friends, you know we're connected or whatever. Just really some fuck boy shit where she should have really just said, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I wasn't as clear as I should have been. And that's my fault. And I feel like I, like I'm causing this. I don't want to cause you any pain. I, I wish I'd been more clear, but because Whitney, like later her roommate, Alyssa tells her this, like, you're always, you're like people pleasing. You're always trying to, you don't want anyone to feel bad. You just want to everyone to feel good about like around you. So you say what they want to hear. And that's what she's doing. She's like, we're going to be great friends and stuff. And Romy's like, okay, okay. And then she immediately goes into her bedroom where Sada's in her bed and she goes to sleep. And again, on the surface, like on black and white, if we put this on paper, if we took this to the court of law, she has done nothing wrong. But what she has done is some gross shit. Like, first of all, letting Sada dance on a bar with no shoes on. And so... <laughs> I mean, I, I blame Whitney for that. Um, so the next time we see Whitney, let me make sure. The next time we see Whitney, um, well, first of all, she's explaining her housing situation. Her house is my worst nightmare. Whitney lives with Alyssa, who she dated a long time ago, and now they're friends. And so it's an ex. And then Alyssa's partner, Shay, who I'm not sure is male or female, and it really doesn't matter. And Shay's in a band. And so the basis from the band is Mike, and he lives there. And they also have five dogs. <laughs> Whitney's house is the reason I got married. I don't want to live with roommates anymore. Uh-uh. I don't want to deal with that shit. And so... <laughs> So they're having people over. I mean, Sada's staying there and everything. They're having people over for a bonfire, wine, food. Sada's cooking. Whitney's super impressed. She's explaining what the difference between a pump and a, is it pumps? Pumps and pants. Pumps are more femme. 
They, they touch up makeup before they go out. They wear heels, even though they hurt, you know, they, they're more, I mean, they're, they're more femme presenting. Okay. Uh, pants are, uh, more mask presenting. Um, they know how to swing a hammer as Whitney says. And Whitney says they also usually dominate the relationship, which I was, I was all with her when she was saying pumps and pants. And I was like, okay, yeah. Uh-huh. 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 And then she said they usually run the relationship. I was like, I don't know if that's true. That seems broad. Um, and then she considers herself a pants. So I was like, Whitney, you think you're usually running the relationships? Cause later you're acting as if all these things are happening to you. That's interesting. Um, we, we get a scene with her talking to Alyssa who knows her very well. And Whitney is, Whitney says she's, people call her a player, but she's not one. She doesn't play a game. She just likes women. If that makes her a player, then so be it. But she is a player. She's always dating and juggling multiple women. She's telling them what they want to hear. She doesn't end things. She just doesn't fuck with them anymore. Like the thing with Romy, like she just hasn't seen you in a while. And you don't ever just say, well, I'm dating someone else or anything like that. You just kind of disappear. It's, it's very passive aggressive and it makes it seem like these women are at fault, but they're not. It's Whitney. <laughs> uh, and it's And Alyssa tells her that like, regardless of what you say, you, you tend to end up in relationships and entanglements with women who want relationships, who want more than you can give. And they think it's you that can give it to them. And I'll just add something that <clears throat> I'll just add something that I always think to myself. If it smells like shit everywhere you go, it must be you. Like if, <laughs> if, if every relationship you get in, if every entanglement you get into is with a woman who wants a relationship that thinks they can get it from you, it must be something you're doing. You must be contributing to this. What are you saying? What are you doing? And Alyssa's the one that says that she says and does things she to please people because she doesn't want anyone to be mad at her. But it implies that she's going to give and do more than she is. And that's the truth. And she keeps going, except, except this is when they tell her she has the power of the clam. Um, I prefer pussy power, but still <laughs> she keeps going, well, except, and Alyssa keeps saying, you can say upset, except all you want to. The fact is, is this is the truth. So, and I think like if someone had said that to me, I'd be like, okay, well, what is my part in this? What did I do? What am I, what is my part in this? But you know, I'm a, I'm someone who self-examines a lot and that could be narcissism. That could be belly button gazing, whatever. But I'm someone who's like, what are my motives here? Well, why does this always add up like this? And I don't know that Whitney is necessarily the same. So like I said, at the end of the episode, they all up end up at um, Crown Bar. And Whitney says it's because lesbian circles in LA, even though LA is big, lesbian circles in LA are small. Um, smaller than you think. You always know someone knows someone knows someone. And if you tell someone you're going to ground bar, then like you get in there, there's a bunch of lesbians there when you get there. That might be true. I think that the reason all these girls are going to crown bar on that particular night is production has asked them to. I think that's what it is. Um, because you get Rose and Natalie, Whitney and Sada, Tracy's going. I mean, there's a lot of people there. 
on the cast. And Whitney is trying to pick up Tracy while Sada is there. She's going to talk to Tracy. She brings Tracy back to where uh, Sada and some other friends are sitting. And is literally like, you can see it. You can see Whitney flirting with her. Whitney is absolutely flirting with her and like offering to get coffee with her and all kinds of shit. And Tracy kind of just throws in that she's got a girlfriend of four months. And um, at that point, like, they kind of break off and she and Whitney goes back to talking to Sada and Sada is like you brought a girl over here to flirt with in front of me like Tracy literally asked if Sada was was she Tracy was like oh are you with her pointing at Sada and, and Whitney's like no and Sada says in her talking head like you don't have to introduce me as your girlfriend but that was rude like and I agree with Sada like you, this is disrespectful. I am visiting you. I am here at this bar with you. Don't walk off to pick up another chick and bring her over here to talk. To, like at the very least, be discreet about it. Disappear for a little while and go talk to another chick. Do not do this. And if someone asks you, like, I guess Tracy asks, is that your girlfriend or something? But and then when Whitney said no, she followed up with like, oh, are you guys seeing each other? Like, yeah, you are seeing each other. I mean, maybe maybe you're not monogamous, but you are seeing each other. So, and then the next question Tracy's going to have is like, why did you bring me, why are you trying to talk to me if you're seeing her? Which is a good fucking question, Whitney. Answer it. <laughs> um... Let's see. So we get a scene, like I said, uh, we get Whitney and Sada like making out and dry humping and then really humping and then like a voice, like a, like audio of them like finishing up. And the next day, Sada is getting ready to leave to go back to San Francisco. And Whitney is again saying, you should move here. You should move here. And Sada's like, I need a car if I move here, which is right. She would. And um, Whitney's like, you can make it happen. And then they're like kissing and Whitney keeps saying that like, you should stay, you should stay. And then, <laughs> and then she goes to drive her to the airport and her car won't start. And she's like, this is a sign. Like it, it, it really was like you leaving your long distance boyfriend uh, or somebody that you just started something with who's like, you definitely need to stay so we can be together. So she drops off Sada and departures and is kissing her and all this shit. And then Whitney rolls around to arrivals to pick up this other bitch. And I recognize her. I think she's Alyssa's cousin. I used to, I watched this a million times. I can't, something's going on with my brain. I cannot remember who the fuck that is. But she, I think she's Alyssa's cousin who Whitney, who came to visit earlier and Whitney had sex with her. Then the girl went home. Then decided to move to L.A. because she got some good sex from Whitney. And now Whitney's doing whatever the fuck she wants to. And if you ask Whitney about it, she'd be like, what? I didn't tell her to move here. <laughs> That's what she'd say. But the fact that you left departures and went to arrivals is... I don't know. You want to think about it? 
<laughs> you want to think about like how I don't. It, it seems sleazy, Whitney. It seems it seems sleazy, and to know because I think you you fucked that girl. You you fucked her before, and I think you fuck her again while she's here. And to know that you're running around here, running up on Romy, sending Sada, trying to convince Sada to leave her life in San Francisco. Not that I'm saying she has the best life in San Francisco, but you know, her wanting to move is her thing. But you're trying to convince her to move there, and you're also picking up this other bitch from the airport. Like, damn, damn. That's the end of the first episode, guys. I'm really excited to be doing the real L word. I have so much to fucking talk about. And so I, um, you guys remember to check out the Patreon at patreon.com backslash by pumpkin for bonus episodes. I'm talking about Hogan knows best over there and I'll be doing some other things. And you remember to follow me at okay. Then princess on Instagram and Twitter and at by pumpkin podcast on Instagram. And that's it. I will see you guys next week. Later. Mm-hmm.